Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Is it off to McCaffrey? There he goes! This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. And welcome into the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I am your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by Sports Illustrated Skylar Callahan. It is the end of a up and down five and twelve ebbs and flows, highs and lows, uh, 2021 Carolina Panthers season. Panthers finished with a uh, dismal uh, blasting uh, by the hands of the defending champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but we we made a conscious decision. We're not going to dwell on that game too much. Uh, we kind of knew what it was <laughs> going into it. Uh, there's a lot to look forward to with the Panthers, and we're going to touch on uh, all of that, all the different uh, various storylines that are going on with the Panthers uh, right now, get you up to date on some news and notes from Panther land. Before we do that, though, a quick word from our sponsors at Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. That is Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, and we will start with some news that actually came out uh, early Tuesday morning, uh, Skyler. Some changes in the uh, coaching staff. Three assistants let go, offensive line coach Pat Meyer, special teams coach Chase Blackburn, and defensive line coach Frank O'Cam have been let go. So now there are four spots that need to be filled on head coach Matt Rule's uh, uh, staff uh, now, counting in the offensive coordinator search that they have begun here in earnest. Um, let's start with the offensive coordinator stuff here. Uh, Skyler, I was seeing a couple of familiar names that kind of popped up across my Twitter feed in between – uh, pitchforks and fire Matt Rule chants. Um, <laughs> one of those were uh, Pep Hamilton, which I was actually really interested in. Uh, for those that aren't familiar, Pep Hamilton uh, gone through the college ranks, actually was at Stanford with Andrew Luck, left uh, Stanford when Luck got drafted, went to the Colts, uh, actually helped Colt, uh, actually helped uh, Andrew Luck become a top quarterback in the league while he was playing. Uh, I can't remember where he is right now. Um, Houston. Houston. He, that's right. He's in Houston. So he's been dealing with Deshaun Watson the past couple of years. Uh, what are your thoughts? Because as soon as I saw that name, I was like, ooh, Pep Hamilton would be interesting. Plus, 
maybe deep down they're still kind of thinking Deshaun Watson. Uh, give me some give me some thoughts on on Pep Hamilton and I saw Bill O'Brien, the Alabama offensive coordinator, mentioned uh, and a few others. What are your thoughts on the offensive coordinator search? Well, I'll go ahead and start with the ones that I absolutely hate, and that's that's Bill O'Brien and Jay Gruden. Which, <laughs> ooh, yeah, no to Jay Gruden. I don't even know why he's even. <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> understand that either. Like, let's just get the bad one out the way. So, Jay Gruden. I mean, come on, this is a guy that got caught outside at a bar, or whatever the heck it was, when he was the head coach in Washington, with some teenage girl smoking weed, drinking. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. It's and almost then, well, we just go get Urban Meyer to be the uh the offensive coordinator. I mean, you might as well, right? <laughs> At this point, like Jay Gruden, like just let's just not okay. Like yeah. and, and if that made it any worse, or if if that was if that wasn't good bad enough for you, recently he had some interesting to, things to say out of nowhere about the the Washington Redskins name. Oh gosh. Um, so if if you want to have some fun with that, go go search that up. But yeah, I uh, don't understand how that's a good cultural fit. <laughs> I mean, you want to build some, some type of culture around here. That's not the guy you want, um, especially when you look at the things that his brother have said. Now, again, that's not the same person, but same family, same blood. Yep. They have the same beliefs, I'm sure. So I don't even understand why Jay Gruden is in, is in this. Like, is Jay Gruden I, coaching I, right now? I, I, you know, I don't know. Um, that's a really good question. I like don't believe he is. It's just random. It just kind of threw his name in there. Uh, yeah. Now, Bill O'Brien, I get it. You're the offensive coordinator at Alabama, which means you're going to be in the position to go pick whatever you want, pretty much, especially if uh, with the type of season Alabama just had. Um, and he's, he's supposedly a head coach candidate for some for something right now now correct me if i'm wrong but isn't bill o'brien the one that traded deandre hopkins for uh that running back or whatever wouldn't he the texans head coach <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so i kind of like eh, i don't know if i want now now granted the one thing i have learned there's some some coaches that are better as coordinators than head coaches mm-hmm. uh and it feels like bill o'brien has had more success as a coordinator than as a coach slash general manager where he's got complete control over his roster, uh, which he would not have if he came here to Carolina. Uh, It also says they're interested in talking with Rams offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell, although I can't figure out why O'Connell would leave the Rams to come to Charlotte with what he has in L.A. Uh, He's he's also a candidate for the Broncos head coaching job, so I think he's being Mm -hmm. uh, interviewed, so – Probably that that's one that I would say is very long shot at this point. But as far as Pep Hamilton goes, like if there's a guy that I really think could help this offense, it's Pep Hamilton. Like you look at what he's done. I mean, he's been with uh, Andrew Luck, like you said. He was with Justin Herbert his rookie season last year. He was with uh, in Houston this year. And granted, you know, a lot of people think all oh, the Texans were bad. They were a bad team, but if you watch the Houston Texans, they got better as the year went on with the rookie quarterback, Davis Mills, who was selected in the third round. Davis Mills played really good football down the stretch. So it seems like this guy's just like the quarterback whisperer. And if you have a guy like Sam Darnold who has the talent, he's just not able to get it there yet. Pep Hamilton seems like the perfect ideal guy to kind of come in and save his career. If Pep Hamilton can't get him to a uh, no, to a middle of the road type of quarterback, that's just I'm happy with. I'd be fine if Sam Darnold was just a game manager. 
You know what I mean? Like someone that doesn't lose a game for you, let your skill position players kind of get that stuff for you. It's going to get you 250 each week in the air. Might run in the yeah, yeah. I, he doesn't have to be Pat Mahomes, you know. Like he doesn't have to be throwing for 350 yards and six touchdowns and uh, sidearm and footballs, you know, across his chest. He doesn't need to be all of that to win. He just has to be smart with the football and needs he needs a coordinator that's uh, you know with today, like the way offenses are played today with the aerial attack. There's no reason why with uh, DJ Moore, a wide receiver who's had three consecutive thousand yard seasons. Robbie Anderson, uh, you've got talent on this team. Christian McCaffrey, I know people are calling him injury prone and whatnot now. Uh, I did see that uh, they were they – Scott Fitter came out, the general manager, on Monday during his exit interview and said that they were in no way whatsoever looking to trade Christian McCaffrey. It kind of came out in an ESPN article that they had talked about moving him to the slot, which is what I had suggested after he got put out this year to permanently put him at slot and give him a couple of carries during a game just to keep defenses off balance. And it sounds like they talked about it, but when you look at how many times he lined up in the slot, uh, the three games he played, it doesn't really match up to the talk. So you really need a coordinator that can figure out what to do with him. And I think Pep Hamilton would be perfect in terms of using him as just like this Swiss army knife uh, that would be able to just be put wherever and just have matchup issues, no matter where you line them up at. Uh, I do agree. I have no idea why Jay Gruden is even involved. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why he's in this conversation. It did say that uh, he did spend last season as the Jaguars offensive coordinator. So um, well, he's have- still been around. Yeah, but it was the Jaguars. Like, you know, <laughs> like what, what What are we doing? Uh, I'm cur- Out of those three, it sounds like we both kind of feel like Pep Hamilton might be the move. I wanted to hop back over to that Christian McCaffrey uh, stuff. Did you, uh, when it first popped open on social media or whatnot, that the Panthers were interested in possibly uh, listening to offers from McCaffrey, what were your thoughts on that? Because I looked at it like his extension is about to kick in this year. It's going to be too hard to trade him. But uh, what were your thoughts on that? Did you Have you ever thought that they really had any intention of trading McCaffrey? I don't think they've ever had intentions of trading him. Do I think they have had conversations? Yes. I don't know that there's been serious negotiations, though. I, I don't know that they've ever gotten to a point where they're they're starting to throw out some names and stuff like that and, and getting it closer to a deal. I, I When that stuff popped up, and really when he got ruled out for the year, I, I thought it would make sense to go ahead and move on from him, try to find a trade partner, because you can't keep paying a guy this much money and him not be on the field. Then again, it's so hard to want to part with a guy like Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he is so dynamic. And when he is healthy, he is clearly the best player on the field. Offense, defense don't matter. He is the best player on the field. And when you're going into year three of a coaching regime, like if you're Matt Rule, knowing you're probably more than likely on the hot seat, you're not going to trade your best player. I mean, let's just be real. Now, if the Panthers go say five and twelve again next year, and Rule gets canned, then maybe the new coach that comes in says, "You know what? Let's trade McCaffrey in that big contract. Let's start all th- this all over again. <laughs> Here we go again." But then you on a dance partner to take on. Yeah, fifty million dollar extension or whatever that's about to kick in this year. McCaffrey's going to make sixteen million per year, and, and even then, 
I was like, you know, it's kind of a bargain because you're not just really paying a running back. You're paying a football player. Like I almost looked at it like you're giving a wide receiver money because he yeah. was bringing in wide receiver numbers. So, I mean, you're essentially paying a for wide receiver. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're essentially paying for two starters. And yeah. when you got a guy like this, that can change the game. I mean, he's clearly better or well, this offense is clearly better when he's on the field. So I, I don't think they're going to trade him this offseason. I just do not see it happening. Very much the same with Sam Darnold, which I got a better feel for what they're going to do with Sam uh, yesterday when when Scott met with us. I, I don't see them moving Sam Darnold. I, I know there's a lot of, oh, you know, how do they move Darnold? Do they draft a quarterback? Do they trade for one? I really do not see them trading for Sam Darnold right now. I, I just don't see it. I don't see any trade partners for Sam Darnold yeah. for them to to trade with. To be honest, his trade value has, has been you know has plummeted because of this season. Uh, it's almost better for them to try to rehabilitate him than to try to just get rid of him for a fifth or something and uh, and start over. Sam Darnold's what 24, 25, something like yeah. that. So I mean, he hasn't ever really had a good offensive line in front of him. And I know there's a lot of quarterbacks that don't have good offensive lines in front of them, but he has not. Even in college at USC, that offensive line wasn't that great. So he's always been kind of under duress. Uh, he hasn't had the ability to play with what you said, the best player on the team, Christian McCaffrey. And he did look different with McCaffrey out there than without, which most quarterbacks will. Uh, me, personally, on this very show, I was comparing him to Troy Aikman week two and three. <laughs> you know, like what a lifetime ago where – some of the similarities are still there. The build is there. The arm is there. Uh, Troy was never expected to go out and throw for 400 yards either. He was basically the ultimate game manager, and he was accurate as hell in terms of where he was going with the football. Now, granted, he had two guys on the outside, and Alvin Harper and Michael Irvin, and he had a tight end in Jay Novacek that was his best friend, and maybe that's something that they need to work on as well uh, is getting a, a, a durable, great tight end. Um for Darnold, I, I wouldn't mind. I know they don't have a second. They don't have a third uh, round pick currently in this upcoming draft. I would not mind, and I ex fully expect Scott Fitter to do some chess moves and move back into one of those rounds if they if they drafted a quarterback uh, that may slip into the second round. Like a, uh, it's a weak draft for quarterbacks, but I'm thinking maybe somebody like a Malik Willis from Liberty or uh, Sam Howell from North Carolina. Uh, I, either that or actually I thought about this watching football on Sunday with the Panthers being the late game. I like the backup quarterback for the, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Tyler um, Huntley. Yeah. Tyler Huntley. I like him. I like him a lot. He, he shows flashes of Lamar. Um, and I don't know if he would be available, but maybe you go and talk to the Ravens and be like, Hey, what do you, what do you, uh, what do you want for Huntley? And then you create a quarterback competition with Huntley, Darnold, you bring in Pep Hamilton to run the offense. Now you're kind of cooking with grease. Now you got some stuff where, you know, it, it, this is a different type of situation. But having said all that, I don't think you can have Cam Newton in that equation if you if you go that route. No, I mean, I, and back to Darnold. When you think about it, so let's let, like you said, his trade value is really diminished. So if you want to trade him, what are you going to get for him? A fifth round pick, like you said. So let's say they take a fifth round pick for Darnold. But you're going to have to pay, say, 15 to 16 million of Darnold's contract of that 18 million. So that means you're giving up 15 to 16 million. You're giving up a quarterback for a fifth round pick. That makes no sense. You should never make a trade like that. So 
at this point, I think you just kind of got – it sounds bad, but kind of – just kind of eat your loss and just yeah. suck it up, get through one more year, and and see what happens. Like, you know, if they can get a, a decent offensive line, maybe he, he turns into that game-managing quarterback that doesn't lose you games. Maybe. We don't know. Um, but as far as Cam Newton goes, I, I do just – I just don't see it happening. I mean, he seems like a guy that – is wanting to win now because let's be honest, he doesn't have much football left in front of him. He wants to get a Super Bowl, and that's not going to happen here probably anytime soon. So right. I, I don't see him wanting to come back. Uh, he did say that he would would be willing to come back even as a backup, but it's not going to be for a five and twelve team. Yeah, so. I thought that was very uh, very telling. Uh, and actually, shifting gears over to Cam Newton, uh, he also he dropped some nuggets in that that post game. Uh, press conference shout out to uh, Sheena Quick and Carolina Blitz because they're always on point in terms of asking him questions to kind of dig a little bit deeper uh, in terms of what he's thinking and he actually I don't know if he meant to to say it the way he did but he kind of revealed that some of the team hadn't really bought in on the uh, the whole Matt Rule experience and he he tippy-toed around it but he he addressed it like he he wasn't provoked into answering it that way. It was more of along the lines of uh, I can't remember exactly how Sheena asked the question, but he basically was just like, you know, I think some people haven't completely 100 percent bought in. It's not just saying the stuff, you know, verbally like there's certain things you have to do. Uh, and he was like, some some of the guys have not. And I wonder how Matt Rule felt hearing that, because Rule the past three weeks in particular has been adamant that you know, the locker room hadn't lost. Everybody believes in what they're doing. And I know you're there. You get to, you know, be there in these post-game conferences and these meetings during the week. And you've mentioned also that you don't feel that the team has lost uh, or that they're not following rule. Is the truth somewhere there in the middle? Because I do believe Cam, when he says that, that there are some guys that haven't bought in. And I imagine a lot of those guys won't be on this roster next year. Uh, What were your thoughts on some of what Cam was saying there? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is I almost wonder if he's talking about being bought into just being a, a pro and being there in the building all all day, studying, lifting, getting treatment, stuff like that. Because Matt Matt had his press conference a little bit after a little bit uh, after Cam, and they asked him the same question about about this, and he basically said, yeah, this is something he and Cam have talked about for weeks and that he, he sees Cam as a guy that goes in, puts in a thousand percent effort every single day and is in the building constantly. I think it's more, I don't know if it's more so of guys not buying into rules process or just guys not buying into what they have to do to be good. Now you could kind of combine the two and say, well, they kind of go together and I, I would completely understand that and wouldn't argue it. But I think also when you have a team as young as this team is and you don't have success and you don't have success for two years, it kind of gets to a point where these guys question it because they all come from colleges where they probably won a lot of games. They get to the NFL. They think it's hard. They don't understand why it's not working. And they think it's maybe the coaching. But I think you just need to see this team this offseason, which they're going to, they're going to go get older. They're going to get some more veteran guys on both sides of the ball that can help some of these young guys understand and really see it to eye, like what it takes to be a winner in this league. I think that's the biggest problem. 
Yeah, with it being such a young team too, uh, like you said, the, and we I think I talked about this last week where Cam had mentioned uh, the last home game he had where someone, I think it was Sheena again, that asked him you know, about uh, reflecting on the sideline. There was a moment where he was off by himself and he was talking about Thomas Davis and Jordan Gross, Steve Smith, uh, KK Short, guys that had been there that kind of taught him how to be a pro and, and moving forward. And it, it it's kind of neat seeing Cam Newton move to this part of his career. Uh, I, I go through a lot of battles uh, regarding Cam Newton online because it's all he's always been one of the most polarizing figures in the sport. Either you, you love Cam Newton or you can't stand Cam Newton. There's no gray area in terms of support for Newton. And I've always been in the love Cam Newton camp. He's one of my favorite NFL players of all time. But this franchise, they're basically going to rip him away from us twice in a 12-month span. And that that sucks. That hurts for Panther fans that, that the peak of this franchise was with Cam Newton putting it on his shoulders. And a lot of people haven't forgotten that. So they feel like he kind of got a raw deal on his way back in here. But every week, especially the last couple of weeks, it made me feel like, okay, they're not playing him because they don't want him to reach his incentives. That's why he's not getting snaps because they've already decided that he's not in their future plans. So there's no reason to to play him and pay him an extra $4 million in meaningless games where they're out of playoff contention. That's kind of how I took it. Like, he's still – I think him coming in for a snap in those last two games apiece probably had something to do with his incentives, that he had to play in a game, you know, to, to get certain amounts of money or whatever. Uh, so I think they threw that bone for him. But in terms of, like, yards – touchdowns getting stuff like that he wasn't gonna get enough reps to be able to get to it and they decided that about three four weeks ago i believe uh that game where they were swapping him and sam back and forth after that point once sam became available they kind of i think rule made that decision which to me it just goes back to the very beginning matt rule cut cam newton to begin with you know he gave us the word service that he wanted to work with cam he was excited to do it and then two weeks later cam was gone so to me he never factored cam into the plans of his future for the franchise, and then when he came back, I don't even think Rule wanted him back. He was forced to because he had no quarterback to play with, and once he got his horse back, he kind of positioned Cam to a spot where he could hopefully fade into obscurity, but it's Cam Newton. He's not going to fade into anything, and uh, I think that was the straw that kind of broke the back with Panther fans when it comes to Matt Rule was the handling of Cam Newton. If he had handled Cam a little bit differently, I'm not saying to coddle him, but if he just they'd handle him in certain situations a little bit differently, I think that the 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 virtual towards rule would not be as big as it is currently right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's fair to say because I mean, this is the guy that got them to a Super Bowl in 2015 and is arguably one of the best Panthers in franchise history. And whenever there's any type of riff, previous, you know, whether it was two years ago or now. They're, they're always going to side with the player. I mean, that's why I said a couple of weeks ago on our show that I thought it was a bad idea for him to to bring Cam in because, let's be honest, like, even if you brought Cam in, is, is that going to be enough to even get you to the playoffs? Obviously, the answer is no. But even if you got to the playoffs, was it really going to get you far? Right. So that's, that's the thing I think – that they should have reevaluated like, listen, like, yeah, if, if Darnold's out five to six weeks, let's ride with PJ and Matt Barkley at quarterback. And if, if you lose seven games in a row, no one's really going to be that upset about it. Right. 
that's expected. You're going to have the high pick and all that stuff. Now you bring in Cam. You have all these unrealistic expectations. You got the 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 juggling of quarterbacks, and people are always going to want Cam on the field. It just to me, it just further separated. No win no situation really in the end because we all knew. Well, I say we. Some of us knew Cam coming back was not going to be 2015 MVP level Cam Newton. Like we we were aware that his skill level has diminished somewhat from you know six years ago or whatever. But then you do have the contingent of Cam Newton fans that aren't aware of that and feel like that he can do whatever, whenever, and that he's still 23-year-old Cam Newton, Superman hurtling his body into a pile of bodies. Like we've watched him do some of the craziest things on a football field, and they feel like he can still do that. But their excuse is they haven't seen him do that because Matt Rule's holding him back. And that's that's the problem. That's right there. The last half of this season became Matt Rule, fire Matt Rule and uh, let Cam play or free Cam Newton, you know, that kind of thing. And it, it looked like they were both kind of attached at the hip. What's going to happen now, they don't have to cut Cam Newton. They only signed him for one year. He Basically, the contract's done. Like, he, he's a free agent for the most part. Uh, so you don't have to worry about them cutting him again. Uh and Matt Rule's not going anywhere either. So for those that want to fire Matt Rule, and yes, while I'm a little upset with Matt Rule, I understand that he's not getting fired. He's going to get at least part of next season to get this thing turned around. And if he can't get the offensive line straight and these coaching positions that are super critical, I jotted down the offensive line allowed 52 sacks this year. It was the fifth worst in the league. Uh, special teams, they went through three punters and four place kickers this year. <laughs> and the defensive line, they were 15th in sacks per game, uh, 18th in rushing yards allowed. So those three spots, they they at least pinpointed three things that they felt like were really issues with this squad. And I got to agree, uh, those are huge issues. Uh, you can get those kind of hemmed up and you've got a statistically good defense coming back that's young, filled with rookie contracts. They're not that far off. It makes it it sounds like they're like this, like they're the the Jets or the Lions, but they're not. They actually have a base of things that Matt Rule actually kind of built here. So he kind of kind of need to see him finish it out, I believe. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Um, This is exactly what I've been telling people. Like, this isn't a situation where it's so doom and gloom and there's just no hope at all. Like. You look at this team. You have Christian McCaffrey. If he is healthy, you have the best running back in football, in my opinion. You have DJ Moore. You have Robbie Anderson. On defensive side, you have all those guys. Like, the pieces are starting to come together. If you tell me, like, that the Panthers go out there, make some great picks in in the draft and on the offensive line, they sign some offensive linemen, and all of a sudden, they have made, let's just say, a, a top half of the league offensive line. You're going to tell me that this team's not going to be competing for a playoff spot? You're like correct. With a, yeah, with a healthy Christian McCaffrey running behind it? I mean, like, that, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> even, it, it, like I get the, the, the need to want to go get Deshaun Watson or uh, maybe a J- Jimmy Garoppolo or a Baker Mayfield, someone like that. But they don't necessarily have to do that, I don't think. I'm not saying Sam Darnold is, you know, a great quarterback, but I think he's he's capable of leading this team if he just has the horses around him. We haven't seen that yet. And from what we've seen, again, this is still very early returns because it's these guys have only played one or two years, but Matt Rule has proven 
to be a very good evaluator when it comes to drafting players like that didn't get talked about enough that they've hit pretty well the past two drafts they've had uh they when you go down the list of dudes that they have drafted they get a lot of value in the mid rounds uh there's a lot of dudes on this roster third round picks fourth round picks fifth round picks that i think are gonna be key contributors to this team going forward yeah i mean chuba hubbard i mean when the the year he had at oklahoma state when he rushed for like 2,000 yards and 25 touchdowns whatever it was the following going into his senior year, he was projected to be the top running back in the class. That he had that ankle injury, and you know, there were some questions about his character, which was re- just ridiculous. But he fell clear to the fourth. And you got Davion Nixon, who didn't really get to play much because of injury, but he was another mid to late round guy that I really like. They've got Deontay Brown, who was a six round pick that I really like. I mean, Brady Christensen, the third round pick. These guys, you know, Matt Rule in particular has done a really good job of drafting. People say, oh, that he's drafted terrible. Go and look at the last class that Marty Herney drafted. Just go look at it. Yeah. It's bad. (laughs) Herney was was always known to knock out the first round pick, and then the rest of the draft would just be suspect. Like, like, dude just wouldn't even be on the team two years later. But he would nail the first round pick like every year. He would just kill it. But – yeah, and I think it's almost a little bit reverse here. Well, not even reverse because, I mean, the two first-round picks we've had in the two years rules been here, uh, you know, uh, Brown, uh, the defensive tackle uh, last year, and J.C. Horn this year, who only played three games but was looking like a shutdown corner in the games he did play. Uh, I think people have forgotten that we have J.C. Horn, that he'll be back yeah. next year, uh, and that's an immediate boost for the defense. So I agree. Um I know I have friends who uh, who dislike Scott Fitter and they feel like he is the worst thing ever. And I'm like, I don't think he has final roster decision here. It seems like it's still rule. It feels like Fitter is more of a deal with the money, uh, make deals, get us extra picks, that kind of thing. Uh, maybe uh, suggest players, that kind of thing. But it feels like Matt Rule is the one that's building this roster, not Scott Fitter. I think it's it's very collaborative. Um, I, I would say when Herney was here, yeah, I think that they were there was already kind of that that feeling that he wasn't going to be here after last season, and, and Rule was obviously, so they just kind of let him do the handling of the roster. When when they were interviewing GM candidates, that was the biggest thing they wanted to have a, a collaborative effort between the GM and head coach in building the roster and how they construct it. And I think that's kind of what we've seen. Like, I do think part of it is Matt Rule. I do think part of it is Scott Fitter. There are some trades and some signings that I say, yep, that's a Scott Fitter signing or trade. And there's some that I think that are Matt Rule. Like, the, the stuff on the day-to-day basis when, you know, some of these guys get hurt in practice or whatever, and they have to sign some guy to the practice squad or or something like that, That that's kind of Scott's area, I think that that's where he's kind of doing the day-to-day because Matt Rule doesn't have time to sit here and look at all these other options they could bring on for the practice squad. Right. Uh, but I think it's a collaborative effort. I, I don't know that either one has more power over the other. I think they just kind of have to come together and make an agreement on stuff. But I, I'm very interested to see what this team does in free agency because I, I think if you, like I said, if you can go out and get a good – offensive lineman or two and draft an offensive lineman that's going to take care of a lot of problems and i think really the biggest thing 
first and foremost, they have to get Hassan Ruddick re-signed. Yeah, I, I wanted to. Yeah, I wanted to actually end this episode. They're, they have a, a list of unrestricted free agents, uh, and I wanted to kind of go through them because there's some big names on this list that they got to make some decisions on here. Uh, these guys will be able to hit the market at 4 p.m. on March the 16th. Uh, and I'll just hit some of the hot spots here. Uh, guys that impressed me that I think they should uh, keep or bring back. Uh, Amir Abdullah. I, I was really yeah. impressed with uh, when they brought him in. He kind of brings a burst to the, the backfield. And if they're truly going to move McCaffrey to more of a slot type of position, uh, I think you need to offer Abdullah something. And I don't think it'd be very expensive to, to keep uh, Abdullah uh, here as well. Jermaine Carter Jr. is interesting. Um, I don't really recall a lot of him and Marquise Haynes, uh, the defensive end. They're both going to be unrestricted free agents, and I think they're probably going to let both of them kind of go. Carter in particular showed some flashes in the beginning of the season, but I don't really remember him being his name being called a whole lot throughout most of the season in terms of being an impact player on his defense. So I don't think that uh, he's going to be out there. Two two names that I wanted to start off with that I do think they've got a uh, push for cornerback Stefan Gilmore and kicker Zane Gonzalez. Uh, yeah. Gonzalez is one of the top kickers in the league before he, he hurt what was his quad hamstring uh, a couple weeks back in, uh, in Buffalo. And Gilmore has been one of the top cornerbacks the past couple of le- years in the league. However, he is 32, so he'll probably be looking for one final big deal. Uh, out of those two guys, who do you think is more important, Gilmore or Gonzalez? I mean, I would say, I mean, obviously Gilmore, just because of he, he's going to affect the game more. Um, but I would say Dante Jackson is probably the guy that I would assume they're going to try and put more money into and, and, and pursue more just because he's younger. He's only, I think, like 26 years old. He's got a lot of football left in him. He's getting better, and I thought this was his best season. So I think ideally they would like to bring back Zane Gonzalez they would like to bring back Dante Jackson. They'd like to bring back Stephon Gilmore. And I think it's actually possible they could bring back all three. I don't think that Gonzalez is kind of like a can they bring him back or not. I think he's going to come back. Yeah. It's more about whether or not they can get both Gilmore and Jackson back and stay under the cap and still address all these other needs. That's going to be the interesting thing. I I it just it's going to depend on what Gilmore wants. You know, is he going to be okay with taking maybe a hometown discount? you know, and staying around here because his wife loves the area. They're from here. So who knows? I I, I think, but first and foremost, I think they got to get Hassan Reddick. Dante Jackson, I would believe, is probably their next guy. So would you say Reddick is the number one free agent? Because uh, between him, what, what do you do with uh, Dante Jackson? Because uh, he was on, he was having a career year, but he's always hurt. He's been hurt pretty much every year he's been here. He is up to be a rest- uh, unrestricted free agent, and uh, he could be in line to make some dough being a cornerback in the NFL. I-, I feel like they can't keep Gilmore and Jackson because w- they're both going to demand money that we may not have for both of them. Which one would you rather keep, Gilmore or Jackson? I mean, Jackson's almost a full seven, eight years younger than Gilmore, but Gilmore's a former league defensive player of the year just like two years ago. It's man, it's it's tough because I think Stephon Gilmore brings so much to this team, so much to that room for for how young that room is. I mean, CJ Henderson's in there, and another guy people forget about, which I I was never really sold on him, but Troy Pride's still in there. 
Yeah, AJ Bouye, he's still in there. Still in there. Uh, and Jace and JC Horn's gonna be back. So like, you don't yeah. really need both of the guys, but you almost have to decide because whoever you keep is the starter on one side, and I imagine Horn is the starter on the other. Which one is it? Is it Jackson or is it Gilmore? And I, th- they've said the right things in the press conferences and whatnot that you know, Rule said he'd like to keep them both. Of course, he would like to keep them both, but odds are he's not going to be able to keep both. Uh, and I don't, I'm not sold on C.J. Henderson yet in terms of. Uh, him being a starting high level quality cornerback in the league, kind of the way I am with JC Horn. Although it, you could, in theory, roll with maybe you lose Gilmore and you lose Jackson, you roll with Henderson and Horn as your starters. I mean, two dudes that were drafted in 2020 and 2021 and would be your, your cornerstones at cornerback for the next decade. You could do that if you wanted to, but you're putting a whole lot of uh, chips in the, the CJ Henderson basket where he hasn't really shown that he's capable of that yet. Yeah. I think the, the biggest thing for me is like, if, if I'm Matt rule and I look at the situation, like I would want to probably keep Stefan Gilmore, I guess. I mean, I like Dante Jackson a lot. I think he's, again, he he's the younger option. He's probably got, you know, some more football left in him, but if you want to take a look at it this way, Gilmore, like you said, is 30, what, 32, 33, 30, Two, yeah. Yeah, 32. So you bring back Gilmore. Say it's just a one- or two-year deal. You bring him back on a one- or two-year deal. That gives C.J. Henderson more time to kind of learn under Gilmore and become a better player starting opposite of Horn. So that way when he's it's his time to, to take over that spot, he's more equipped, he's more ready. Whereas if you bring Dante Jackson back for maybe, say, a two, three, maybe even a four-year deal is maybe what he's searching for, there could be – a situation where he's thrown into the mix earlier just because Dante is not able to stay on the field. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of a tough, tough line to walk. I, I don't, I think it's, I, I, as long as you bring back one of the two, I don't think you necessarily lose out on the situation, but you got to get one of them. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I wouldn't mind actually keeping Gilmore on like a two year deal. I'll take him to age 34, make a lot of it guaranteed. That kind of like, you know, two years, 35 million, something like that. Make it, you know, 27 of it's guaranteed. He's not, I don't think he's going to get a huge deal someplace else. Although there, there may be a team out there willing to give him a, a, a truckload of money. Uh, the age kind of scares me a little bit. And he has started having some injuries here towards the end of his career. And usually when that starts, it doesn't stop. Uh, but clearly he was the best cornerback we had. Uh once he was out there, uh, it, it was to me, it was night and day in terms of, OK, Gilmore is just better <laughs> than the other cornerbacks we have. You can put him on somebody's number one and not even think about it the rest of the day. Uh, so I would love it if they can keep Gilmore. Uh, some of the other names that were popping up on here that I wasn't aware of. Um, Frankie Louvu. I like Frankie Louvu, the linebacker. Mm-hmm. He, he was involved in a lot of different uh, defensive standout plays this year turnovers and just forcing fumbles and yeah just all just causing disruption all over the place that's the kind of guy i like so i think they'll try to keep luvu especially if they're going to let like carter go uh which if i had to choose 22 i'd probably keep luvu uh rashad melvin's on this list probably the odd man out at cornerback like we said that's a loaded cornerback room uh they'll probably let him walk John Miller can, you know, go ahead and pack up his bags now and get up out of here. Like, <laughs> like I'm bad enough with John Miller's nonsense. You go ahead and go. Uh, the whole sacks hat was that him? Sacks happen? That said, uh, that it was one of them. Yeah, one of, it was one of those linemen that said it. Uh, 
Yeah, he, he he to me represents the offensive line mentality of this year where you know, it's okay if Sam gets sacked, he'll hop up and do it again. Nah, get out of here. We're, we're cleaning that whole offensive line room out except for Taylor Moten, and we're going to put in some work in terms of figuring this out. Uh, Matt Paredes, or Paredes is on this list. He got injured early in the year, the center for the uh, the line, and you could say when he got hurt, the line went from okay to, to really bad uh, when you lose the center. I don't know if you keep him or if you can find a kid in the draft that you want to groom. Um, but he's on this list. In Thomas, the tight end, Brandon Zilstra, the wide receiver, uh, Trent Scott, a tackle. He's an unrestricted uh, agent. But the biggest name on here uh, after the year he had, uh, like you said, Skyler's uh, the, uh, the outside linebacker, Hassan Reddick, uh, they got, he's got to be option number one. They got to get him done. Uh, and then you got quarterback Cam Newton sitting here on this list and we'll kind of wrap up this show with that looming question what did the panthers do with cam newton going forward do you think there's any shot that he's on the roster in 2022 i i don't i I just cam's like i said cam wants to win and the panthers don't really necessarily need cam newton and I, i think again matt rule appreciates cam i think matt would like to have cam back He's, he has said it over and over and over and over and over again that he wants Cam back. He would like to have Cam back. The fans will sit there and pick at it and say that he doesn't. He's just saying that. No, I, he he legitimately would like to have Cam Newton back. But I I think in the end he's going to come to realization that if you're going to draft a guy or they just decide to roll with Sam and PJ, there's no need to bring back Cam Newton. Um, he's 30, 32, 33 yeah. years old. So 32. like, he's yeah. not going to be the future. The only thing he's going to do is be a, a, a serviceable backup. And Cam Newton doesn't want to do that on a bad team or a team that's not going to be in contention for a Super Bowl. I could see Cam going to somewhere like, like, let's just say, I, I don't even know, Baltimore. Like hmm. that, that's a team that loves to run the football like crazy. Lamar Jackson's kind of been in and out of the lineup this year. They they would probably like to have a power running quarterback that could you know maybe take some of those runs away from Lamar. So I, I don't know. I, I just think there's there's no chance. I, I don't see there being any chance at all that Cam returns. I, I kind of agree. Like I said, I don't think Matt Rule on him back to begin with. So I don't really, and he didn't really leave a lot on the plate to to make fans clamor for his return, other than. Uh, previous seasons that he was here there's a team in my head that i'm like if he went there if they decide to roll with it i think he could get in there and just go as the pittsburgh steelers i think he could yeah. really fit in there uh like a hand in a glove uh i think he would respond well to mike tomlin i think he would respect the steeler way playing for a franchise like that would probably be a dream come true for cam uh the the iteration of cam newton that we're seeing right now the more mature cam newton is way more of a fit in Pittsburgh than it would have been, say, five years ago. Uh, he's got there's some talent up there. They've got some guys. Roethlisberger, if Roethlisberger could lead that team to a 500 record uh, with literally no arm, I feel like Cam would still have a couple years left, uh, juice wise, to get them there. And they've got Dwayne Haskins, I believe, on the roster. So you let Haskins learn under Cam, or compete with Cam, or they draft the guy too to learn under Cam. Yeah, you know, so I mean, I think Cam, the one thing Cam proved this year is that he's still valuable as a locker room presence to the younger uh, generation because 
people got to understand the the guys that are coming to the league right now, they grew up watching Cam Newton, you know, 10 years ago or whatever at Auburn or early Carolina Panthers and the dab and all that stuff. They grew up wanting to do that. They wanted to be Cam Newton, guys like Josh Allen and uh, Lamar Jackson and the new wave of quarterbacks that are in here, Patrick Mahomes, all of them have a little sprinkling of Cam Newton in them in terms of their swagger and how they handle themselves and uh, extending plays. He was really the one that kind of turned all that and made it kind of cool to have a quarterback that could do that instead of just standing there. And I don't know if this is the end, if this is going to be the last time we see Cam Newton in a uniform. I will say, being one of his favorite fans, though, I I almost hope he does retire because I I don't want to see a shell of Cam Newton. Like, I don't want to see the the Wizards, Michael Jordan. You know, like, I don't want to see Michael Jordan with the Wizards. Like, I, I don't. I don't need to see that. Yeah, I don't need to see the last two years of Eli Manning. I don't need to see Big Ben, what he's had to go through this year. Like, I, I just don't want to see it. Uh, and Cam doesn't really need it. Like, he doesn't need the money. He doesn't need anything other than a, the the possibility of getting a ring. Because if he gets a ring someplace, he's in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Like, if he could put that on his resume, that he's a Super Bowl winner, regardless of how he gets it, I think it's a no-brainer he'll get in. And I think maybe that's what he's thinking about his legacy going forward and how it'll be viewed. Um, but again, this is the same guy that was sitting on his couch until October or whatever it was, whenever the, the Panthers finally called him and nobody else called him. There was a lot of quarterback holes everywhere across the league. So this might be the end of uh, Cam Newton's career, and that's uh, bittersweet to say as a Cam Newton fan. Yeah, it's 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 going to come to an end, I believe, um, probably within the next year or two. I just don't see him – staying in the game for that much longer. I mean, who knows? Maybe he, he rides off into the into the sunset this year. I mean, who knows? I mean, it's all going to depend on what opportunities arise, if, if there's any opportunities that come up for him. I mean, we saw the market for him after he got released from the Panthers, and it was very, very, very little. Like, it, I mean, it got to the point where New England didn't even have to pay him a million dollars. Like, yeah. so – I, I don't know what, what's going to happen with him. I, I mean, obviously, he's not a starting quarterback, in my opinion. He's just not a starting quarterback anymore. That that ship has sailed, unfortunately. But there are still some teams out there, like I said, maybe like a Baltimore, like you said, Pittsburgh, maybe some other teams. Maybe San Francisco, if if they move off Jimmy Garoppolo, could, maybe he could kind of help with Trey Lance. Trey Lance, yeah. So, I mean, there, there's some teams out there that I think could – benefit from having him in their on in their locker room but as far as the starting quarterback goes unless it's like <laughs> at a team that's rebuilding then it's not going to happen and he doesn't want to go to that he doesn't want to yeah like like houston or something like say they yeah. trade sean watson <laughs> off and they're looking for a quarterback and they bring cam newton in i don't think he he doesn't need to do that like that's not something he really needs to do and plus people got to remember that's hard that's hard to go to a, a team like that and to kind of squash your ego and swallow your pride and realize you're going to be on a five and 12 team. And uh, you're not even getting out on the field on a five and 12 team. I mean, it's, it's, it, it was one of those things where I think cam kind of, he, he thought he was a top 32 quarterback. There's not 32 quarterbacks better than him right now. when he was sitting on the couch, but once he comes back into the league and, and the Panthers aren't even playing him after a couple of weeks, that started to sink in a little bit with him. I think that uh, maybe he's not one of and- those anymore. And I don't want to compare him to this quarterback I'm about to say, but I'm just saying the situations are very similar. Like Andy Dalton is the perfect example. Like he started for years in Cincinnati, did a really good job. I I think Andy Dalton catches a lot of flack because 
you know, he wasn't really able to win the big game. But I thought he was a very, you know, competent quarterback. And at one point, he just – you could tell he's just not the starter anymore. He's not a starting quarterback in this league. But he was a very serviceable quarterback with the Dallas Cowboys behind Dak Prescott, which came in, in, in great need last year when he got hurt. And now he's with Chicago. I think that's that's kind of the same situations. Like Andy realized there's more opportunities out there for me if I just if I'm okay with being a backup. I think Cam's got to get to that point where he's okay with being a backup. I don't think he was okay with it last year, maybe even part going into this year, but I think he's starting to come to realization of where he's at in his career, and I think it's gonna benefit him. So so we got, a, we got a lot to look forward to. The Panthers' season on the field may be over, but the Believe in Panthers podcast will motor on. Uh, usually during this part of the season is when we start bringing on uh, guests and kind of try to figure out what they're going to do with the draft and free agency and all that kind of stuff. So uh, our season will continue to run through the draft, um, and then typically we take off from that point on until we get back to uh, uh, preseason and training camps or whatnot late summer. So I uh, still got us a couple more months, uh, and next week we'll actually dive into the playoffs, uh, the results from Wild Card Weekend. So we'll expand out a little bit and talk a little bit about some other teams uh, and what we're seeing. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll bring on uh, uh, another uh, Panther guest or someone uh, to kind of talk about what they saw during the season and what they think going forward. And who knows, we might have an offensive coordinator by this time next week. We may uh, have an answer to some of these questions that we had today on the show. Um, you can follow Skyler on Twitter. His work, not only is he the beat writer for Sports Illustrated for the Panthers, he's also the beat writer for our Charlotte Hornets, who are now 21-19. and 19. They just beat the Bucs uh, back-to-back. Uh, the defending NBA champs, LaMelo with the floater at the end uh, to win. Uh, the Hornets are, are, are a fun ticket. So uh, you can follow the exploits of the Hornets and what's going on with the Panthers front office with Skyler on Twitter at Callahan underscore. Uh, you can listen to me on Tobacco Road Sports Radio throughout the week on a variety of shows. You can follow me at Dez, D-E-Z underscore 3505 or at Tobacco Radio. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. You've been listening to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Keep pounding. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.